Chronicles chapter 1. I have to be careful. I get to rambling, enjoy myself up here, and I waste all my good teaching time. And when I don't use my teaching time, I have to punish myself and end a little quicker than I want to end. I always do what's the clock. I'm a working pastor until recently. I was always a working pastor. And I understood what it was like to come to church tired, worn out. I've come to church so tired that I just couldn't hardly even think and stand up here and teach. Just can you imagine how awesome I would have been if I hadn't have been tired? You just think about it. Compared to how awesome it was and how it would have been if I hadn't have been working. Y'all missed out. You missed out. You should have paid double tithes and I wouldn't have had to work. All right. Second Chronicles chapter 1. And Solomon went up thither to the brazen altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of the congregation, and offered a thousand burnt offerings upon it. And in that night did the, did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father, and hast made me a, to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established, for thou, thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this people that is so great? And God said to Solomon, Because this was in thine heart, and thou hast not asked riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of thine enemies, neither yet hast asked long life, but hath asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people over whom I have made thee king. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee. And I will give thee riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee. Neither shall there be any after thee have the like. Wow. When you read this passage of scripture and you understand that Solomon was given the opportunity to ask God what he would. And Solomon said, God, just give me wisdom and knowledge. And somehow or another, God loved that. Because Brother Mike, he, he looked at Solomon and he said, you know what? You didn't ask me for riches and wealth and to be able to conquer your enemies. You didn't ask for long life, none of these things. You just ask for wisdom and knowledge that you could judge the people right. And because you ask 
for wisdom and knowledge. You ask for the right things. The Lord said, I'm going to give you wisdom and knowledge. But I'm also going to give you all those things you didn't ask for. Now you think about this now. Sometimes we spend so much time asking God for things. Are y'all thinking of with me on that? Are you listening? We spend so much time asking God for things we think we need. We think we got to have. We spend so much energy and even frustration trying to get things. And the whole truth of the matter is, if we were, if we were careful about what we were asking God and we asked God for the right things, we might get a lot more from God than we're getting because God say, you know what? I like what you're asking me for. And because of that, I'm going to bless you like you've never been blessed. Solomon was the most wealthy man in the world at that time. He was one of the wisest men that ever lived. And he never asked for wealth, but God gave him that too. Amen. I'm just going to talk to you about wisdom to go, to come in and to go out because that's what Solomon got and that's what he wanted. I want the wisdom to go out and come in before the people. God bless you. Everybody say, bless the word. You can be seated. Last time I'm going to mention the Gregg family. They've been here three times now. They're members now. They're going to see the real me. We're so glad to have them and their kids. they got some of the sweetest kids in the world, and we've just enjoyed fellowshipping with them. And um, if you need a good realtor, see her. If you need a good any kind of man thing, he can do anything. I mean, just the guy can do anything. See him. See me for the money <clears throat> that he's going to charge. We're going to charge you. I'm his manager. All right, I got to stop. Stop that, Larry. <clears throat> stop that. <clears throat> if God handed you a blank check, and if you ask him for anything and received it, what would you write on that check? Think about that for a moment while I'm teaching this lesson. If Right now, if God just came around and handed out blank checks to Sandra Lampin, and you could write anything you wanted to write on that check, and God would honor that, what would you be writing down? Now, sad to say, but most of us probably going to have dollar signs behind it. Come on, be honest. How many of you would would ask for it. Am I the only one? Oh, uh, you, you, sis, Polly, right? No, no, not Polly. Huh? Where did I get Polly? <clears throat> Polly may want a cracker, but she didn't. Okay. <clears throat> if God did that for you, nobody would have asked for money. Are y'all, y'all, are y'all fooling with me tonight? Are you telling me nobody would have asked for money? Because you thought that was a trick question, didn't you? You thought I was going to have a follow-up question. 
This prayer was on a t-shirt in a mall. It said, Lord, let me prove you that winning the lottery won't ruin my life. Our character appears in our choices. We ask God for wealth, even though it doesn't guarantee us happiness. Most of us spend more time worrying and thinking about money than probably anything else in this world. We never have enough. We always want more. We're always frustrated because there's things we could do and would do if we had more money, but we don't. And so we make it somehow. Sometimes we exist. And Benjamin Franklin remarked, if a man could have just half his wishes, he would probably double his troubles. And we all know that's truth. God gave Solomon the equivalent of a blank check. And he responded in spiritual realm and not the selfish realm. Solomon was king of Israel, son of King David. He began his rule with an act of public worship at Gideon, six miles northwest of Jerusalem, where David left the Ark of the Covenant in a temporary shrine prior to the placement of its permanent dwelling in Jerusalem. This is also where David held a national assembly where he and now Solomon spoke and was about to speak to Israel. Solomon realized the enormity of his position and the task before him. So he asked God for wisdom and not personal gain. Solomon was raised in luxury. He was raised in the palace. And he came to power with his eyes wide open. He knew what he was getting into. Being raised in the palace, he'd seen all the good things and the bad things that go on in the kingdom. He saw the things that the king had to decide upon. He saw there were times of judgment and even death and thrown in prison because of some of the judgments that King David had to make. And he realized this job was no picnic. And his desire was to honor God and to serve his people. And Solomon knew he would be walking before and among the people, going out and coming in, judging, ruling, leading, answering questions, and making judgments. He knew that every eye would be watching him. And he wanted God to give him wisdom so that he could do right and be right in the eyes of the people. I thought that was so wonderful 
when I read that story uh, several times. I've read that today in studying. And I thought, what a remarkable person. When he could have asked for anything, Brother Nick, he looked above and beyond the physical, material wealth of, of this world. And he saw that there was going to be a need. There was going to be people that were going to turn to him and ask of him to perform in a way that he had never had to perform again. He realized there would be a lot of stress and pressures. He realized he would be called upon to act and judge in ways that he had never done before. And when he had an opportunity to ask for anything, he said, God, give me wisdom and knowledge that I can judge my people. You know, I guess that if there's anything we ought to be praying, Sister Debbie, every one of us, if we ought to be praying about something, it ought to be, God, give me wisdom. Because I'm going to tell you, we all need wisdom. You know, we need wisdom because without wisdom, you're dumb as a rock. You ever, you ever heard somebody say, he's so dumb, he don't even know when to come out of the rain. I've seen people do some dumb stuff. Have you ever seen anybody do any dumb stuff? If you haven't, you haven't been looking. You better get off your phone a little while and start paying attention because people do dumb things. You'll see them do it. And if you sit around long enough, you'll see them and you'll wonder, why did they do that? And the reason is, a lot of times they just don't have any wisdom. They've never learned how to function in this world, to live in this world and just know how to act and how to talk. Maybe their parents didn't teach them. Maybe they... Uh, didn't learn it in school. Maybe they didn't go to church. If they'd been here, they'd have learned everything. But they didn't have an opportunity. And because of that, they have no experience. And if you have no experience, you have no wisdom. I'm amazed at guys. I, oh, Brother Ariel hung some lights for me recently in our home. And, boy, it's just amazing to me to watch this guy because I'm one of the guys that's responsible for him being an electrician. I really am. And I'm just tooting my own horn here today. Because I was talking to our young ministers at our meetings, and I, I said, you guys need to get a job. And you need to start finding something you enjoy doing that you can do anywhere. And I named off. Electrician was one of them. And I don't know if I pointed you out or pinpointed you out, but I began to point at some of the guys, you, you could do this. You could be an electrician. You could be this. You could be that. Well, he paid attention to me. And it wasn't long that he started training to be an electrician. He's going to be a good one. But it's amazing. You don't, you know, a lot of people want to be an electrician without learning the process. How many of y'all would like to play a keyboard? Be honest. How many of you would love to be able to play a keyboard? Raise your hand. Come on. I'm not tricking you. Come on. All right. Brother Cruz, do you ever practice on the keyboard? Have you ever practiced? You you have practiced before. 
Give me a time that some days you practice. How long? How many? Hours a day? And we look at him. How many of you ever looked at guys like Cruz and say, Boy, I wish I could do that. She asked me yesterday, said, who's going to be your new music director? I said, you are. She said, what? <laughs> Anybody could do it if you wanted to. But you gotta have you got to have the will to practice. But I, I love to watch guys like Brother Ariel. And here I've then got off on this and I'm getting away. I'm not even getting to my stuff yet. I've got an awesome message here and I'm getting off of it. But you watch guys like that getting a job done. And you think, boy, that is, that's talent. Well, that's, you learn that. You learn a skill. And that's a certain type of wisdom. That's a type of wisdom that you learn. Experience brings wisdom. Oh, Brother Greg, if you want, if you want uh, some tractor work done, he'd been driving tractors and dozers and backhoes and all that stuff since he was a kid. His daddy was a contractor. He'd jump on probably anything out there and, and, and operate it. You know why? He's got experience. That experience causes him to have wisdom. He knows how to operate it. He knows how to move those levers and, and, and perform the job. Here's what James says, and I'm reading from the New King James Version in James 1 and 5. If any of you lack wisdom, <laughs> anybody ever felt like you lack wisdom? Here's what the Lord says in the Word of God. Let him Ask of God. That's what I said a while ago. We need to be praying about that. Asking God. Pray for wisdom. Who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it will be given to him. In other words, he's saying if you'll ask, God doesn't mind giving it to you. What is the verse of scripture? It says you have not. Why? Because you ask not. A lot of times we don't get things because we don't ask for them. We don't go to God. We don't ask God for certain things. But let him ask in faith. That's, you know, one thing to ask, but it's another thing to use faith. Let him ask in faith with no Doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Now the book of James is a very practical book. It's a manual for Christian living. James starts out by giving practical advice. He lets us know that God truly wants us to grow up. God doesn't want us to stay babies. Can you say amen? God wants us to mature. God wants us to become mature Christians. He wants us to make 
wise decisions that are pleasing to him. A wise man once said, the decisions that we make, make us. And I believe this to be true. As I look back on my life, the decisions that I have made have had a great impact on my life. And I'm sure it has on yours too. Some of those decisions we regret. Some of them we feel kind of good about. The good news is you don't have to limp through life paralyzed by uncertainty and indecision. There is help available from the Lord for you to confidently make the right choice every time. We are all human and we have a great potential to make mistakes. In fact, we all do make mistakes. I'm not going to get you to raise your hand if you never made a mistake because I don't want to see you raise your hand. Because I'm going to lose confidence in you. Because you're telling a story. We all make mistakes. Some of them are a lot worse than others, but we all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. In fact, a lot of times we wait too long. You ever waited a little bit long and if you hadn't waited so long, a deal might have closed. This might have happened. You might have bought something. You might have sold something. Just waited too long. Some people are bad about that. They got to think a little too long. They got to figure it out. And they got to make sure it's just right before they move. And by the time they get it just right, the product is no longer available. It's gone. Sometimes we wait too long. Sometimes we pay too much. We get hasty. We buy it. We don't shop around. We don't look. And so we buy it, and then we find out four or five blocks down the road, it was about $200 cheaper. Sometimes we say the wrong thing. We open our mouths and we insert our foot. All of us do S-word things. I'm not going to say stupid. Some of y'all don't like that. But the wise man learns from his mistakes. And let me say it again. I said the wise man learns from his mistakes. And that's why we got to pray for wisdom. Because if you don't pray for wisdom, you don't get wise, you're going to keep making the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. There are various definitions of wisdom. Webster defines wisdom as the ability to make right use of knowledge. One prominent theologian or theological dictionary defines wisdom as prudent, considered, experienced, and competent action to master the various problems of life. So we see that there is an aspect of knowledge in wisdom, but it goes way beyond that because wisdom involves the practical use of knowledge. 
to deal with life's issues. Another definition of wisdom is this. Wisdom is the conveyance of knowledge and skill which enables a person to make right choices that honor God. True wisdom, according to the Scripture, begins with, everybody say, God. Proverbs 1 and 7 tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We gain a clear perspective on wisdom by looking at its opposite, which is foolishness and folly. In Proverbs 1 and 7, we learn that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Fools don't want you to discipline them. Proverbs tells us that fools hate knowledge. The fool is the person whose choices contradict God's truth. The fool ignores God's value system. And the fool absolutely makes poor choices. And in the book of James, we have guidance on how to make wise decisions. So I recommend to you tonight, if you feel like a fool, you're not making good good decisions, go read the book of James. Go study it, and you'll find out a few things. James shows us the problem, then he gives us the, the prescription, followed by the promise. Let's look at his first promise. The problem is indecision, because here's what James says. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. When you're double-minded, you're not just in unstable in secular uh, in the secular world. You're not just unstable in the educational world or the uh, money world, but you also in, unstable in the spiritual world. Well, that's what it says. It says if you're double-minded, you're unstable in all your ways, even in living for God. In the Greek, the word double-minded literally means to be two-spirited, being pulled in different directions. Boy, you, I've seen, I've seen parents almost rip their kids apart. They get arm, one gets one arm and hand and they start walking off and the other one gets it and goes another direction. Poor kid just dangling, you know, like he's hanging on a clothesline. And, and that's what happens to us. We get pulled both ways. We're double minded, two spirited. When you're double-minded, you have two loyalties and two priorities. 
That's why Jesus said you can't love the world and God at the same time. He said you got to hate one and love the other. The Lord knew this before James ever wrote it down. I'm sure James got his information from God. I hope he did. Because I'm sure using it today. When you're double-minded, you have two loyalties, two priorities. You've been pulled in two directions at the same time, and it causes confusion and causes you to be disoriented. It would be like a man standing next to a compass while having a magnet in his pocket. The compass wants to point to magnetic north, And that's what it's designed to do. Yet because of the magnet in your pocket, the compass is pulled off course. The compass is set off course because it's being pulled in two directions at the same time and ends up someplace between not really pointing to either one and it definitely can't tell you which way to go. Sometimes you have to make a decision, but you're being pulled in different directions. And that's not a good time to have to make a decision when you're uncertain and you're being pulled and you don't have direction and you don't know where you are. It's not a good time to make a decision. Being double-minded makes you unstable. You become confused. You become disoriented. It produces an unstable lifestyle. And eventually, all your ways become unstable. Because an unstable man is unstable in all his ways. In everything he does. So let me give you three areas that your ways become unstable. Number one, our emotions. (laughs) Our emotions can really... Get unstable. You worry when you can't decide. You become confused. You can't eat. You can't sleep. You can't. Uh, you you ask yourself, why? What should I do? And if I make this decision, is it the right one? And so instead of enjoying sleep, you're laying there on a comfortable bed, and your mind is roar, roar. You're just. You're seeing all this stuff, and you can't shut off life. You're not what uh, you're not able to come to a decision, and boy, you're miserable. The whole day, the next day, you you didn't sleep good. Indecision creates emotionally uh, un- instability in your life. It's like the guy he goes to the psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist asks him, "Are you indecisive?" The person answers, "Yes." And no, the psychiatrist asks, what do you mean? The guy answers, well, I used to be indecisive, but now I just can't decide. Boy, that guy's messed up, don't you think? You got to learn to make a decision. And it's nothing wrong with making a decision and staying with it. But you got to make sure you make the right decision. That's the key right there, making the right decision. When you make the right decision, stick with it. It's like the devil comes talking to somebody and 
And here's the way they answered, no, devil, don't do that. And then they just want to kind of, you know, it's almost, they're not sure if they don't want the devil to do it or not. You got to say no like you say to your kids. You got to say no like you say to your husband or your wife. You got to look at the devil and say no! Not no. You know? It's almost a question at the end of it. Some people, they just can't make up their mind. The other thing is unstable relationships. Lack of commitment destroys marriages. Do I want in this marriage or do I want out of this marriage? I'm not decided. What if I stay in and it don't work out? What if I get out and it would have worked? Lack of commitment destroys families when you are the parent and you keep changing the rules. It does not create a stable household. It gives mixed messages to your children. What is the rule today? The kids ask. Can I do this? They think mom and dad had said this or that as a rule, but they're always changing their minds. And so what ends up happening, the kids just do it anyway. They go ahead and make the decision to do it because we don't have ground rules that are absolute. I know colleges are getting liberal and the professors are not teaching absolutes and our government doesn't like absolutes. Our school system does not like it. But I'm going to tell you, if you're going to live in this world, you need some absolutes in your life. There are some yays and nays. There are some yes and no's. And you have to look at them Many times to decide where your no is and where your yes is and do not violate that. Do not go against it. Lack of commitment destroys churches also. Can you be counted on? Are you going to be there? Are you going to do what you said you would do? Are you going to keep your word? We see in decision causes unstable relationships. And the third thing, unstable spiritual life. Look at what James says in verse 7. Let not that man suppose that he will be receiving anything from the Lord. Being double-minded blocks your prayers. I've got to say that again because I want you to understand what I just said. Being double-minded blocks your prayers. It blocks your commitment to God. Indecision in your life keeps God from giving His blessings and it keeps you from receiving what God has for you and desires to give you. And if you don't believe God can, then why would He? Why would God do something if you don't believe he can or if you don't believe he wants to? You must believe in him if you're going to get a blessing from God. Double-mindedness produces a double life. 
It causes instability in all your ways. It produces an unstable lifestyle. The solution is wisdom. What is that solution? James tells us, get wisdom. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach and it will be given to him. Then he gives us three practical steps on how to get wisdom. Number one, admit that you need wisdom. I mean, people don't need wisdom because they're already smart. They already know everything. There's some people, they feel like they could help God if God would just ask them. <laughs> How would you know if you lack wisdom unless you examine yourself? How do you know you have anything wrong with you if you don't ever go to the doctor and get them to really check you out? A lot of times they find things you didn't even know you had. And the same thing applies spiritually. We come to church, and if we're not careful, they needed that. Boy, if they'd have been here, they would have heard a message that could have changed their life. Because Facebook Live, anybody can listen to it. Anybody can listen to FaceTime, Facebook, BookFace, Face, whatever you want to call it. Anybody can listen to me right now. There may be somebody in China listening to me. And they're thinking, I wish he would talk where I could understand him. <laughs> there may be people all over the world that are listening to me today. Here's the guide to help you know if you're too old to need wisdom. By the time a man is wise enough to watch his step, he's too old to go anywhere. It don't matter. <laughs> it ain't going to matter anyway. Middle age is when you have stopped growing at both ends and have begun to grow in the middle. Middle age is having a choice of two temptations. Choosing the one that will get you home the earliest. And you don't have to worry about avoiding temptation when you get too old. As you grow older, temptation will avoid you. You don't have to worry about it. How many of you got so much wisdom you don't need to ask for it? I hope not one hand would go up. We all should want to be wiser. We all lack wisdom in some areas. We don't know everything, even though you may know some people who think they do. God tells us to admit we need wisdom. Wisdom is different than knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge put in is wisdom put into practice. Wisdom is seeing life from God's point of view and from God's perspective. Intelligence is not the same as wisdom. I was a minister and a boy scout and a computer expert were the only passengers on a small airplane. The pilot came over the 
loudspeaker, and he said, folks, we're in trouble. We're fixed to go down. And he said, there's only three parachutes on this plane, and there's four of us. And he said, I should have one of the parachutes because I have a wife and three small children. So he walks back there and takes one of the parachutes, slips it on, jumps out of the plane. The computer whiz said, well, I should have one of those parachutes because I'm one of the smartest men in the world. I know all this stuff about computers, and the world needs me desperately. So he picked up a parachute and jumped out. The minister turned to the Boy Scout with a sad smile, and he said, Son, you're young. I've already lived a rich life. I've already lived most of my life, and you've got yours by head, uh, before you. And he said, You just go ahead and put on that parachute, and you go ahead and jump out of the plane, and I'll stay with the plane, and I'll go down. The little Boy Scout said, Oh, Reverend, relax. He said, That smartest man in the world just put on my backpack and jumped out of this airplane. You know, wisdom and intelligence are two different things. You may be the smartest man that ever walked, but you don't know the difference between a parachute and a backpack. There's a lot of people can get around this world because they know some things in their particular field. But wisdom goes far deeper than that. Wisdom gets into how you live, how you treat people, how you act, how you love God, how you go to church, how you worship. It covers everything. James says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. So how do you get Wisdom. Do you get it by listening to a talk radio show? By reading Time Magazine or the Wall Street Journal? By watching TV? By taking smart pills? How do you get wisdom? The Bible says that the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth came knowledge and understanding. And since the Lord gives wisdom... I'm saying tonight, we need to be asking him for wisdom. Do you know, Brother Bennett, if you just get what I'm saying here tonight and start praying for more wisdom, you could supersede everybody on your job. You could get smarter than everybody, including your supervisor, and you could move up. I'm telling you, it can happen. When you pray for wisdom, you pray for godly wisdom, God will move you into a dimension that other people will never, ever achieve just simply because you prayed and asked God for it. It's as simple as that. Solomon simply asked God for wisdom. His priorities were right, and God saw that. I mean, he got wisdom regardless, but because God saw his priorities were right, God added all of those other things too. So when you get wisdom, it opens up the door for the other benefits of God. And I'm fixed to close with skipping on back to the closing part of this thing today. I got too much notes. I'll close with this. I'm thinking... Sometimes we look at our thinking and we compare it to others and we compare it to God. 
we say, looking at situations, that is impossible. God says, all things are possible with me. We say, I can't do it. God says, we can do all things through Christ. We say, I'm too tired. God says, come to me and I will give you rest. We say, I'm always worried and frustrated. God says, cast all your cares on me. We say, I can't go on. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. We say, I can't figure things out. God says, I will direct your steps. We say, I'm not able. God says, I am able. We say, I can't manage. God says, I will supply your needs. We say, I'm afraid. God says, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but love and power and a sound mind. We say, I don't have enough faith. God says, I've given everybody a measure of faith. We say, I'm not smart enough. God says, I'll give you wisdom. We say, I feel all alone. But God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm very serious about this. Somebody was, I was talking, I can't remember, it might have been Brother Greg, talking to somebody just recently, and the subject came up about wisdom. I've been thinking about it a lot here lately. That's why I had this Bible study tonight. It's been in my mind because wisdom is so important. Because if you don't get it, you don't get everything else God wants to give you. When you get wisdom, you learn how to live for God. You learn how to be faithful. You learn how to turn God on if you, if you can understand what I'm saying. You get God's eyes on you with wisdom. You get God's blessings on you with wisdom. You get God's anointing on you with bless, with wisdom. You get God opening up doors and pouring out blessings. See, we want to pray. Oh God, give me this. Oh God, let me, you know. Let my dinar come on in. Bunch of y'all praying that with me. But I'm wondering if we shouldn't be praying, God, give me wisdom. And I've been doing that. I've been saying, God, if and when this comes in, I pray this almost daily. And I say almost because I'm not going to ever say I pray about something every day. Because I may miss a day. Almost every day of my life, I pray, God, if something like that does happen, please give me wisdom. Help me to be wise and not stupid. Help me not to squander and waste and and go crazy. Help me to remember where you brought me from and what you've done for me. And help me to remember others that have needs. Because if we don't have wisdom, we end up being a fool. We end up being double stand, uh, unstable and double-minded. And God can't stand that. Would you stand with me? I'm asking you to pray about wisdom in your life. To let it become part of your life. 
pray God help me to make wise decisions. Help me to make good business decisions. Help me to make good health decisions. What I eat, what I drink. Help me to make good family decisions. Help me, God, to make good church and spiritual decisions. Give me wisdom in those areas. I, I feel I, I really feel this is important. And I'm hoping you guys that are home are listening to me. And those of you that are here tonight, I'm asking you to start praying, God, give me wisdom in these areas. Because when you get that wisdom, with that wisdom, you're probably going to get so many other things that you never dreamed possible. God's going to start pouring out things on you because you asked for wisdom. And because that was your focus. And that was your primary concern. Give me wisdom so I can bless the kingdom of God. Give me wisdom so I can win souls. Give me wisdom so I can go to heaven. When you ask for that, God says, oh, I like that. And here you go, Sister Gail, here's your $100,000 raise just because you didn't ask for it. Here, here, here you go. We just had somebody in our church to get a considerable raise. I won't tell you because that's private stuff, but I'm going to tell you it was a hunk of change. It was like somebody getting a new salary, a whole year's salary. I, I'm talking about a hunk of change. I, I'm not talking about dollars. I'm talking about thousands of dollars. One of our members that has gone and proved themselves, and they've worked hard, and they've shown their bosses, and their bosses have turned on the water spigots and gave them a big raise. I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you how much money. It blew my mind. You know what they told him? You're fixed to get another one in January just like it. Man, I started seeing dollar signs myself because they pay tithes. I like it when my people get blessed. I like it when God begins to do things for you. I've already seen God pouring it out on the Bennett's. You know, they come in here and started getting faithful. I don't know what they were before they come here, but since they've come here, I'm going to tell you, they've been faithful. They put their hearts in this church. Both of them, you told me the other day you just got a raise, didn't you, Sister Bennett? Or was that your husband? Got a new job, that's what it was. Didn't you tell me you fixed to get a job, a, a raise when you get this this uh, endorsement that you're, st- yeah. I love it. Didn't you tell me you just got a raise? Was that you got? You told me what? Good raise, wasn't it? Yeah. God wants to give His people raises. Start asking for wisdom. Start praying for wisdom, and watch God do something for you. Thank you for coming tonight. I hope you got something out of this that'll help you. Start praying about it. How many will raise your hand and say, Brother Gandy, I will start praying about wisdom in my life. Find you somebody and tell them you love them.
Come back Sunday expecting God to be here. Sunday week, Brother and Sister Git Rose will be with us preaching for us on Sunday morning. And we're looking forward to that. Prepare yourself for it. God bless you. In Jesus' name.